that's what we're going to talk about today. Think about this. All of us talk to ourselves all of the time. Hopefully not out loud all of the time, but we're all speaking to ourselves all the time. Yet what we say to ourselves is hugely significant. Certain social media websites, or I suppose most of them, if, you, if you're on social media, they use what's called a search algorithm, right? A search algorithm, uh, <laughs> one you, zero me. So, so the, the, a search algorithm is when the website tracks a whole bunch of information about you. Um, it looks at where you are, what you are looking at, how often you are looking at it, the time of day, who, are, who you are in proximity to, how long you spend on the topic, and then it suggests relevant information based on what you are looking at, right? For example, I, I enjoy the Formula One. So because I like Formula One and I watch the Formula One, it will suggest a whole bunch of things related to Formula One. So it starts to do what it can to hold my attention so they can advertise accordingly. And the reason that I'm sharing this is because our brains create algorithms. That's what happens in our minds. Our minds create algorithms about what we are thinking about. And then it repeats back to us what we've been searching for. Right? So we are all programming our minds all the time to feed us certain information. And based on subconscious experiences and our location and our energy levels and who we are with and our time of day and our mood and so on, based on all of these things, the supercomputer of our brain cues patterns of thinking. And those thoughts shape our lives. We are shaped by what we think, our friendships, our identity, our faith, our spending, our mood, our destiny is shaped by the way that we think. And what's difficult is that most people default to negative patterns of thinking. Most of us, and I'm not trying to be critical, I understand what it's like, most of us default to negative things. Negative thoughts are like monkeys on our back, and I've shared this analogy before, it's, I'm sure a lot of you know it. It's a negative thought, and what we do is we feed it. And it's easy to handle, it's easy to manage, it's easy to remove any time we want, and we feed that negative thought. And then what happens is the more we feed it, the angrier it gets, the louder it gets, the bigger it gets, the stronger it gets, and eventually if we don't feed it, it starts to upset us and irritate us and frustrate us, and, and that impacts the people around us, so we feed it more. And eventually it just uses us to feed itself. And lots of people have been feeding negativity for so long that you are being controlled by the negative thoughts instead of you having control over them. Negative thinking isn't just unhelpful, it's harmful. It hurts us. So we can say, you know, like I've just done a whole series on mental health, and then your negative thinking can start kicking in. You can think, it doesn't make any difference. My life hasn't changed. Nothing will change. Nobody understands the pain I'm going through. My trauma is still real. My pain is still real. This didn't help anything. Why? Because we have a negative pattern of thinking that doesn't allow what God wants to do to happen because we stop it before it even gets a chance. We filter it through a negative mindset. We need to start feeding a positive nature and starve the negative things that are robbing our lives. Listen to this, in case you think that I'm being just too psychological without scriptural. Proverbs 4 verse 23 from the Good News Translation. It says this. Be careful. Be full of care. Be careful how you think. Your life 
is shaped by your thoughts. From the easy-to-read version, which is good for me. Above all, be careful what you think because your thoughts control your life. Your thoughts are controlling your life. What we think of in any area of our lives is shaping that particular area of our lives. Our marriage will be shaped by our thoughts. How we manage our money will be shaped by our thoughts. Our friendships, our health, our outlook, the direction we are going in, it's all shaped by the way that we think. Therefore, when it comes to our thinking, we need to handle it with care. In psychology, they call this the law of cognition. What we think impacts what we believe. What we believe impacts what we feel. What we feel impacts what we do. In other words, what happens in your head will start outworking itself in your life. What we think will impact everything about us. So take a small lie, for example. If we believe a small lie, then what happens is that little lie begins to shape our whole life. It hops into the driving seat of our life, and then it says, you know, like, this is the direction that we're going. And then our feelings follow suit. And what we feel must be real. So therefore, if my feelings are real, it must be true. And our whole lives get shaped around that lie. But it's a lie. So it's safe to say that we shouldn't believe everything that we think. That's something I heard from, I think it was Rick. Don't believe everything you think. What we need to do is filter our thoughts through truth not through feelings. Think of thoughts as seeds. And every time you're thinking something, you are sowing seeds. And positive seeds get sown and negative seeds get sown. Sowing, sowing godly thoughts produces a godly harvest. Sowing negative thoughts produces an ungodly harvest. Sowing truth sets you free and brings life. Sowing lies and negativity makes us prisoners and takes life away. The point is we are shaped by our thoughts. Listen to this quote. No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. It's true. What are we saying? What is the narrative that's taking place in our minds all the time? Because our thoughts have incredible power, and this is just something I have heard playing, paying it forward. A series that blessed me, and I'm paying it forward for us. Um, our thoughts have incredible power, yet we have incredible power over our thoughts. And that's a principle that we need to understand. Our thoughts have incredible power. They are shaping your life, your future, your destiny, your relationships. Everything about you is being shaped by your thoughts. But we have incredible power over our thoughts. So we choose what to sow, what to feed, and what to starve. So today we are going to think about what we think about. Okay, let's think about that. Romans 8, verse 5 and 6. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds um, set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Listen to this very powerful truth from God. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. When your mind is governed by God, it brings life and peace into every situation that it governs. But when our mind is governed by self and flesh and sin and lies, it leads to death. I saw this quote. I think Paula put it on our photos. It says, this is Bill Johnson. He says, the devil is not your biggest problem. 
Your biggest problem is your thinking. The devil has only so much power to do what he, and he's very fierce and he, he's ferocious. He's not disarmed. He is very, very fierce, but he can put thoughts there. It's your choice to, to reject them or to receive them. The devil is not your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is your thinking. So today we're going to talk about how to stop these negative and harmful thoughts, how to identify them, and how to bring positive change. Generally, all of us have what is called a negativity bias. In other words, we by default lean into the negative thing. It's like rubbernecking. There's an accident. I must not look. I must not look. Oh, I can't believe I looked. I shouldn't have looked. I feel terrible for looking. And it's the same thing we do with negative thinking. Don't think that. Don't think that. Ah, oh, but I've already thought it. Now it's too late. Right? So we have this rubbernecking going on. And we just default to bad news. Neurological studies where they study the brain, they say this. They've discovered that negative events imprint on our brains more quickly and linger longer than positive ones. So we will harbor our negative thoughts far easier than we will harbor on positive thoughts. As the old saying goes, bad news travels fast. For the three of you that have heard that before, thank you <laughs> for, your, <laughs> for your encouraging support. We can do an amazing job. And whatever you do, you can do an absolutely amazing job. It's outstanding. And 50 people are like, oh, well done, high five. That was incredible, amazing. But two people, even one person says, ah, not for me. I didn't really enjoy that. It didn't really speak to me. And then you go home. What's the one thing you're thinking about? The one negative thought. Not, I am so stoked that 50 people loved it. It's just, I'm upset that the one didn't. We live in a chronically negative world. And I'm sure that you all know, I don't think anyone's surprised. I'm going, oh, I don't see that. We live in a chronically negative world. And when negative news is always coming our way, it shapes the way that we think. And it ends up becoming this permanent state of high alert. So much negativity that we end up running in the red all the time because there's always more bad news. Negative news coming from the outside negative news coming from the inside, and what we're doing is we are shaping our mental algorithms to search for what we've been thinking about. In other words, we're shaping our whole lives. Um, I remember hearing a sermon when we were in England years ago, and the guy spoke about negativity, uh, and he says that negative people or complainers are like magnets. Complainer, 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 and then they will, and they'll find another complainer. Oh, there you are. And they will get together and they will just stick and they will complain and complain and complain. And I've got negative news to share, and now I'm happy because you've got negative news to share, and therefore I have more negative news to share, and they all stick together in this little clump of negativity. Uh, you know, <laughs> nobody here. Thank you, Lord. Um, so, negativity. It's like a little spot on your glasses. I don't wear glasses, I just other, other than sunglasses. Having a little scratch on your sunglasses, right? And it's just, you, you've got everything to look at, but it's all you can see. Your eye just keeps coming back to that. And then what we do is we surround ourselves with other negative people, and we're sharing their dirt with, with them, and they're sharing their dirt with us, and eventually our glasses are completely scratched and dirtied, and that's all we can see, all we can think about, and it's shaping our lives, Things are bad and they're going to get worse. My life is just a mess. I can't handle this anymore. I can't, I, now my pastor is telling me not to believe what I think. What am I supposed to think about that? Do I have to I believe him? There is nothing to watch on TV even though there's so much. Everything is falling apart. I'm not happy. I'm stuck. 
what we watch, what we listen to, what the constant comparison on social media, always thinking worst case scenario, surrounding ourselves with negative people, negativity, negativity, negativity. And then we get together and all we want to do is share our negative news. Yet, thank God, and I mean that respectfully, thank God we can think about what we think about and we can choose to think differently. And we will, and we will, and we're going to. Our thinking can be rewired, and therefore our whole lives redirected. So from today, because of this message, you can go, I was going in that direction because I'd been programmed and programming myself to go that direction. But because of that day, I've made a slight adjustment, and I've shared it before, one degree, new destiny. I'm going to make a small adjustment today to the way that I think, and because of that, I'm going to have a radically different future. So, there are four, and this is stuff I've been received, there are four major categories of negativity. And Craig Rochelle says, you can't defeat it if you can't define it. You can't defeat it if you can't define it. And we, if we can identify what's robbing us, then we can stop it from continuing to rob us because the truth is, it doesn't need to rob us anymore. What Jesus did on the cross wasn't just so we could go to heaven one day. Shared many times, it's so we can live in the finished work of the cross in our minds, bodies, soul, spirit, relationships, finances. Everything about us can be regenerated, reformed, touched by Jesus. It's not then, it's now. I'm going off the topic. There is a, um, this is huge. It's huge because we don't need to get robbed. Young people, your whole future can be different if you just learn how to think the right way today. Even if you make a small adjustment to the way that you think. So what are the negativity biases? What are the, what are the pitfalls that we fall into? Number one, and by the way, all of us probably are in one of these, maybe more. Um, number one is cynicism. This is when we have a general distrust towards people and their motives. Everybody's got some sort of sketchy agenda, and um, everyone is out to get us. And everyone has sketchy motives. And, you know, it's just, it's just we always have this filter of cynicism all the time. Your motives are good even if they're not good. And, 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 and I know that you are worse than me. Unfortunately, <laughs> this is not good news on a positive kind of thing. Psychology also says when we distrust the motives of others, it sometimes reflects how we feel about ourselves. Mm. So often... We mirror what we carry. Cynical people will mirror not what they discern, but what they carry. And <laughs> you like, Tim, you're talking about negativity, and that's pretty negative. All right, moving along. Point number two, negative filtering. This is when we find what's wrong with everything all the time. We overlook the good and we focus on the bad. This is when we always think worst case scenario. Your kids are five minutes late and you're like, oh no, they've been in a terrible accident. I hope they're okay. You know, oh no, it's worst case scenario. Worst case scenario all the time. You come to church and you find all the problems, not to fix them, just to point them out. I hope that somebody recognizes the problems here because, you know, instead, I, I've got a heart to bring life and freedom and solutions. I find the problems. And we can fall into this trap of being consistently negative and find the wrong thing with everything. We meet people and we find what's wrong with them. Oh, Tim, he's so handsome. He's just too handsome. Um, <laughs> 
You're only meant to uh, laugh when I joke. You do know that, eh? Even good things become negative things. When we are negative people, you, you can be blessed by somebody to go on a beautiful holiday, and you get to holiday and you're like, the pool was a bit too small, you know? Uh, the room service took much longer than I would have liked. On a side note, I, I have never had room service in my whole life, ever, ever. Except for the time that there was no duvet cover on that duvet, and then they told us that they don't have duvet covers. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I have. Maybe I'm just being negative about my own life. I love room service. These people will be like, the glass isn't half empty. The glass is dirty, it's too small, and it's not what I wanted, you know? Now would be a really bad time to be like, <laughs> mm, I know that guy. The next is absolute thinking. When we meet someone, you know, you meet somebody and they're wearing a particular top or a political party, and straight away, you've written them off. You've got a box for them, and I know everything about this person based on that one thing, and therefore I've written them off. This is when we are all or nothing. Everyone that votes for that party is that problem. Every man, because I was treated badly, is like this. Every woman is like this. Everyone is either North Pole or South Pole. If they make a mistake, we write them off. Black and white, they are wrong, I am right. It's this biased thinking. I remember Colin, and I don't know, Colin watches these from Australia. I remember Colin saying to me, Tim, and he wasn't saying, he, was, he wasn't telling me, but actually probably was telling me, but... Speaking of people in general, he says, Tim, you can be right but dead right. You can be absolutely right on something, but dead right. So right that you destroy. Right, but not righteous. I'm right. And because I'm right, then everyone must see it from my perspective. And if they don't, then I will be, I'll cut them off. The next is blaming. This is when we only did what we did and we only became what we became and we only are where we are because of somebody else or something else. It's not my fault. I'm just a victim of circumstance. If I had a better family or better experiences or better opportunities, if I hadn't had that happen to me or that person didn't do that thing or that didn't go there, then I would be in a different place. I have no control. I take no responsibilities, but I have a lot of blame. So now, if you're in the room and you're thinking, hold on, I think I've fallen into one of these little pits. <laughs> Why, guys, come on, you know, can't fall into all four. No, you can. Um, the question is this, can we change? Absolutely, absolutely, yes, we can. We can change that negative life into a positive life, that cynical, critical, broken life into a faithful, God-honoring reflection of all the good things that God has given us. People that reflect His heart instead of all the brokenness in the world. Absolutely, yes, 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 we can change. But we need to think about what we think about. It's not going to happen naturally because we heard a sermon on positive thinking. It's going to be because we are intentional about thinking about what we're thinking about and putting in all the hard work and taking all the steps to get us in the right direction. Remember when we were kids, we used to, you'd have those round pools and then you would all get it, go in a circle and you'd build the current. Remember that? And then you would like make it go faster and faster and then you'd like lift your feet and you'd float around along the edge of the pool. And that's what we have been like with negative thinking. 
we're just stirring and stirring and stirring the negativity. And we find people to join in and help us build that train of negativity. And if we want to stop being negative and start being positive, it doesn't just automatically stop. You've now got to go against the current, and you've got to fight against the current. And then you've got to find people who will join you on your quest for positive, positivity and life. And you've got to start changing the trajectory of your life. But if you all of a sudden turn around, you're going to find that by default, as soon as you relax, you're taken away with the negativity again. But we're going to, as a church, we're going to fast from negativity. Uh, That's fine. See the problems, but then come with solutions, and then see the good that goes with the bad. Um, One of the keys to Christian living, and this is a key given to me, uh, this is absolutely critical to our Christian living. If we get this right, it will change our whole lives. That we need to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Because if we don't capture our thoughts, our thoughts will capture us. You are in control of what you think. And the devil can plant seeds and he can sow negative thoughts, but it's up to you to reject those things. Uproot them. So in scripture, I'm close to ending, there is a guy that struggled with an incredible incredibly hectic wave of negativity. Something happened in his life that gave him every reason to be fearful and negative. And and he responded in a certain way that we're going to learn today that's going to give all of us an incredible head start in our lives. In 1 Samuel 30, David came back from being at war. And when he comes back with all his soldiers, all the fighting men who are exhausted, and those men were hardcore And I I was just reminded this morning of the word God gave us, that God's going to raise up uh, soldiers in this church, and we are going to take ground for the king and the kingdom. And what happened is, we, yeah, that's those who are in distress and debt and bitter and soul gathered to him, and God's going to take those things, turn them around, and he's going to say, these are fighting men and women, they're generals in the kingdom, and they're going to take ground. That's off the topic. So David gets back from battle, amen. And... And things go from bad to worse. Because as he gets back, everything, their whole camp is burned down. And all their families have been taken as slaves. Can you imagine you get home, your house has been burned down, your family's been kidnapped. And everyone that was following you has had the same thing happen to them. And because of it, David was in a situation that was very, very difficult. And then what made it worse was his own men were like, we are done with David. We followed him and it cost us everything, so therefore we're going to kill David. Listen to this, 1 Samuel 30 verse 3 and 4. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. I can just imagine the difficulty of going through the fire wondering where your family is. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Have you ever been there? You're crying so hard and you're so broken that eventually you've got no tears left to cry. You're just empty. 1 Samuel 30 verse 6. David was greatly distressed. I mean, that doesn't seem to do it justice. Because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because because of his sons and daughters. But how's this? But David found strength in the Lord his God. How? In the middle of the most desperate, painful space, David found strength in God. How? 
In the, the King James Version, it says this, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. There are various scriptures throughout, throughout the Bible. And if you read the scripture, you're like, oh, I know the scripture. And then you're reading later on in the scripture, and you're like, hold on, I've read the scripture. And then you're reading, you're, hold on, I've read the scripture. And what happened is David did something that we're going to learn today, that we're going to say over and over, and we're going to repeat to ourselves. Because what David did was he took a certain truth, he meditated it, he made it his own, he pulled it in his heart. And when the time came, he would bring that scripture up and he would repeat it to himself. Listen to the scripture. David, I'm sorry, Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2, David's Psalm. Praise the Lord, my soul. So in this scripture, what is David doing? He's telling himself. He's, t- he's talking to himself. And he's not saying praise God. He's saying, soul, David, praise God. He's telling himself. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. Telling himself again. And forget not all his benefits. Some of you need to hear this. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. You you put your life in a pit. We serve a God who redeems you and takes your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desire with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Sometimes we need to talk to ourselves, maybe even out loud. Maybe if there's people around you, keep it in your head. But then when you're on your own, you need to say to yourself, Soul, praise God. Soul, look at things differently. Soul, recognize who you are. Soul, recognize whose you are. Soul, recognize that God is still God. And you need to minister to yourself. Listen to the scripture. Carrying on. Psalm 103 verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Slow to anger. Abounding in love. Now David said that. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Have you heard that before? Psalm 86 verse 15. But you, Lord, different psalm, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Psalm 145 verse 8. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. David said the same thing to himself over and over and over again. And it's not something that he made up. It's something that he took from someone else. Why? Because God said that over himself in Psalm 34. So all he was doing is saying, God, you said that about yourself. So all I'm going to do every time I reach a tough spot, I'm going to repeat that scripture over and over and over again. Because it's going to become mine. I'm going to believe it. My circumstances say You are gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Things are bad. The situation is bad. Lord, I'm in trouble. I messed up again. I have blown. I've messed up. But you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Lord, I'm at a dead end, negativity all around. All the people around me are negative. It's really, really tough. I cannot do this anymore. But you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. One of the greatest strengths that we can have is take scripture and repeat it to ourselves over and over and over again and make it a heart issue. Do you want to hear? Listen to this. Over here. The same Hebrew word for meditate is the word ruminate. Right? So what does a cow do? A cow takes the grass... Eats, 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 eats. Mmm, that was delicious. Swallow. 
I'm hungry again, vomit. <laughs> eat, 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 swallow. Bring it up again, eat, eat, eat. Takes everything that grass has to offer and it ruminates. In other words, it repeats and eats and repeats and eats. And the same word for meditate is the word ruminate. What we need to do is a word goes into our head. Think, 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 meditate, 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 goes to our hearts. Tough times come, we take it back up and we consume it and we take everything that scripture has to offer. I was taught that lesson in Bible college. Don't learn a scripture a day, live a scripture a day. Just take one scripture and let it become a foundation upon which you build your heart. Otherwise you can quote scripture all day, but you're not living it. We are a city on a hill. We are the salt of the earth. We are a light in the darkness, a voice to the hopeless, life to the lifeless. We carry something that the world desperately needs. And if we leave the church and we're just as negative as everyone else, what difference are we making? Not only that, but where are we taking our own lives and our own families if all we can see is the problems? I do understand what it's like to be overwhelmed with pain and hopelessness and fear. But I also know what it's like to lean into the presence of God and find strength that you never knew possible. So we are fasting next Tuesday. This, this Tuesday, by the way, our heart is to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the community and to Durban. Bring your blankets. Like Brent said, if, you, if, you, if you're nervous to go out there and you shouldn't be because we take our kids and it's safe, then, then you can sit in the foyer and you can pray for those people. Or you can just bring your blankets, drop them off. Thank you to those people that have bought blankets, that put them up front. There's also some at the back there. If you, don't, if you can't get involved, you're welcome to just drop and go. But we want to go out and reach people. But we're also going to fast from negativity. When you are negative, I've got something I've got that I want to hand out now. Before I do, I want to read the scripture, a prayer of you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Joy will be yours and peace will be yours. Why? Because you trust him. Oh, but Lord, I have no money and lots of month. God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding love. He's your father. He's your provider. He knows what you need. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. He knows what doors need to be opened. He knows what doors need to be closed. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When people meet us, do they go, wow, this person is overflowing with hope? Or do they go, this person's as cynical, bitter as the rest of society? So now I've taken a scripture and what I want to do is we're going to hand it out. You can each take one. So if you're sitting with someone, both take one. And then the challenge is this. Read it till you know it off by heart. Maybe even go to the actual passage and read the whole chapter. And ruminate. Meditate. And filter all of your thoughts through the scripture for the next week. So I'm going to hand these out. Stick it on your mirror. You can hand out one to that side. one, And then they can just hand them out as they go. So, so what you're going to do is you're going to take this scripture... Put it on your mirror, but don't let it become something that just becomes a background. Put it somewhere that it's actually going to hit you in the head every time you look at it. And I'm going to read it for us. I hope there's no... If there's spelling errors, don't be negative. <laughs> be positive and find the good stuff. I'm sorry if there are. I hope there aren't any. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. 
and honorable and right and pure. If it's not pure, don't go there. And lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. You leave church today. Ah, this and this and that irritated me and that frustrated me. Or, thank God for the beautiful opportunity to worship with the saints. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for speaking to me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for just reminding me that I can change the way that I think. One degree, new destiny. So today, we're going to all change the way that we think and we're going to trust God. If you need to, you can go over all this series again online. It's all, all the videos and the podcasts are there. If you want, we, we do have um, podcasts. So if during the week you want to go over it in your car and you want to just absorb it, that's good. So just a reminder that it is out there on social media. So you can go through the whole thing. But don't go through it all and think, ah, nothing changed. While those are being handed out, let's pray. Lord, I pray that you will help us to be incredibly intentional about what we think about. I pray, Lord, if there's people in the room that are struggling with depression or a cycle of negative thoughts, or an algorithm that's broken, I pray, Lord Jesus, for the supernatural power of God. Lord, that your power will work through our minds and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and unhealthy thinking. I pray, Lord, that we won't go through series as a church and then just filter out things and we just forget about it, but we will allow your spirit to bring life. I pray, Lord Jesus, that when it comes to the scripture to meditate, we will make it our own. Like David, we will find a key. No matter how difficult and dark the situation is, we can find strength in God. We can encourage ourselves. We can talk to ourselves. I pray, Lord Jesus, that not one of us will become victims of broken thinking and allow the devil's foothold to take root in our lives, take hold in our lives. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will become incredibly aware of what we're thinking about. I thank you, Lord, you came to bring freedom for all of us, to set the captives free. Thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.